Office Hours, where we take an in-depth look at a single topic or question that's on our mind. My name is Professor Mark Sheriff. Will has the week off this week. He is building a brand new computer. He was able to score one of the great NVIDIA uh, RTX 3080 cards some sort of black magic he didn't actually have to didn't actually have to go to a scalper we'll get the story from him next time so when he comes back with that sweet sweet new rig we'll hear all about his uh, excitement right there but i have a story i want to tell you now we've heard uh probably more about viruses than we have ever wanted to over the past two years enough to last a lifetime but I do actually want to talk to you about a virus today, a computer virus, one of the first computer viruses to really, really make a big impact, because I think it's a pretty interesting story. So grab a cup of coffee, get comfy, and go with me. Go with me on this journey. Let's learn about the I Love You virus. Now, I love you, uh, dear listeners, but that's actually the name of the virus. I love you. Depending on you know, when you started using computers or when you started using the internet, you might or might not have heard about the I Love You virus. Well, it, it first struck in May of 2000. So during the dot-com boom, for this story, we're going to start in the Philippines with a young man named Onel de Guzman. Now, uh, de Guzman was a computer science major. It's his fourth year. And as part of his degree requirements, he needs to write a senior thesis. So de Guzman, uh, who's a very bright, bright guy, goes through um, some potential vulnerabilities in Windows 95 and specifically looks at, well, one issue that they have in the Philippines is affordable Internet access. So he wants to find a way to help people get Internet access. Now, that certainly is a completely wonderful, awesome thing to want to work for. The catch here is that the way he wanted to do this was to basically write a program that he could install on people's computers that would steal their internet login credentials so that then anyone can use the internet with those credentials. You know, kind of volunteering people to share their internet login information which that's kind of bad. The faculty at the university looked at his final paper and said that, no, we can't accept this. This is unethical, you know, whatever you, you, you know, kicked him. I don't think, I don't know if they kicked him out, but he, he left the university at that point. <laughs> and in wonderful, um, you know, villain uh, behavior, I suppose said, well, I'll show you. I'll put this into effect. And so he did. The I Love You virus was first released May 5th, 2000, originally only in the Philippines. Now, what was this virus trying to do? Well, the, the end result, I've already kind of spoiled it for you, which was he was trying to basically steal people's username and passwords to log into their internet service providers. So he started by just limiting it to where it would only propagate in the Philippines. Well, what would it do? Well, this is the best lesson I can ever give anyone about why you should never open attachments to email, because that's how it spread. It was an attachment to email. Now, at the time, 
the email client of choice that most people were using was uh, a, an early version of Outlook, Outlook, Outlook Lite, something uh, along those lines, you know, Windows Mail app at the time. And for those of you that don't know, a file in Windows often has a three character extension at the end or three to four character. We kind of, we kind of cheated when we got to docx files, I suppose. Now, many windows machines, particularly at that time had the feature turned off that you could see the final three letters because from a usability perspective, Microsoft said, oh, people don't need to necessarily know what a file is. They just need to know what the file name is. And then there'll be a nice little picture that tells them what the file type is, and then they can open it and do whatever they need to. From a usability standpoint, from a um, you know clarity standpoint for new users, that's reasonable. From a security standpoint, this was very bad. So the file that was attached to the I love you email um, was basically, you know, here's why I love you dot txt dot vbs. So that second dot in there, the dot vbs was the one that got hidden because it was the last one. And so a, a typical user would see, here's why I love you dot TXT and think it was like, oh, it's a poem or you know some piece of text that was being given to you that you could read and enjoy. And oh, this person loves me. Here, here's why, here's a statement of their love. When in fact that dot VBS part at the end was the crucial part. VBS stands for Visual Basic Script. Now VBS is a programming language that um, very, very common at the time. It's, it's only a Windows language. Well, it's pretty much only a Windows language. And what it does is effectively runs Windows commands effectively. Okay. So the user would see the email, double click on that text file, what they thought was a text file. Outlook at the time had no guarding, no protection against just automatically running whatever you double click on. Obviously, in the 22 years since then, uh, we have changed the way that, <laughs> that mail clients handle attachments, but uh, you would, they would double click on that. The VBS script would run. What would it do? Well, first, it would go through and overwrite random files on the computer, particularly looking for uh, images um, and office files. So your .doc files, .xls files, uh, random JPEG files. For some reason, it didn't delete MP3 files or other music files. It just hid them. I guess he's a music lover. He just couldn't bring himself to actually deleting the, those, those tunes. He just wanted to hide them for a little bit. The uh, script would also then create an email from the current user and email itself to the top 50 people in the Outlook email address book, which this is how it would spread. The sinister part, I suppose, uh, well, I guess overriding files is pretty sinister into its own right, but he also wrote what's called a Trojan. Now, a Trojan is a specific type of malware, bad software malware, um, where it's named to do one thing, but yet it does something else. And this one was called WinBugFix, <laughs> which sounds nice, doesn't it? But uh, no, it's it, it doesn't. It's not a bug fix. And what what this particular program would do, so, so the, the I love you script, the VBS script would download this Trojan from a web server and it would run it. And what that Trojan would do, the Trojan was the thing that was basically what his thesis was about. 
um, in every Windows computer, there is something called the registry. One way to think about the registry is kind of like the index for your computer. Uh, it's a little bit more than that, but it's like an index and a glossary all kind of rolled into one to some degree. Basically, Windows needs it to know how to start the computer, where the basic files are that it needs to know, where different programs are located. That's the simplified version. But it also has things like, oh, if you saved your username and password for logging into the internet, which, which by the way, in 2000, you often you often had to have a username and password to log into the internet. I know today we we basically just plug into our cable modems and it happens. But you know, in in the in the long long ago in the way back times when you were having to dial into your internet, yes, you would have to have a username and password. So it would load itself into the registry, rename itself to make sure it launched every time the computer turned on, and then would wait for whenever you made an internet connection. And when that internet connection happened, it would then grab the username and password and all the other pertinent email or pertinent information for logging in and emailed it back to an account that De Guzman controlled. So this virus took off. Uh, it, it, it basically hit almost everyone in the local area of the Philippines pretty fast. And then de Guzman, in yet another interesting villain turn, I suppose, said, I wonder what would happen if I took off the, the restriction for Philippines only. Sure enough, it went global very quickly. It started spreading um, first to Hong Kong and to China. Then it went through India into Europe and then over into the United States. So that's the direction it traveled across the globe, which makes sense because as people were waking up in the morning, they were checking their mail, you know, kind of as the as the sun uh, rose upon the different uh, continents on May the 4th, 5th and 6th. Um, this is when all this happened. Now, there was uh, some security experts in Europe who noticed this incredible increase in email traffic and also notice that they were all pulling this particular uh, malware from a server in the Philippines. So uh, those security experts contacted that, uh, that uh, ISP, that internet service provider and had that server taken down pretty quickly. So the, the Trojan that was stealing the passwords was only really distributed for uh, about a day but it's still the email itself because it was basically self-contained in that visual basic script in that .vbs file that was um, the attachment to the email because it was self-contained. Uh, it kept going and it did some damage. The estimation is that there was 5.8 to $8.7 billion in damages created by this virus and another 10 to $15 billion just to remove the worm from all of the infected machines over the course of the next two weeks. Over 50 million infections were reported and about, which equated to about 10% of all internet connected machines at the time. Those damages are calculated mainly from person hours needed to undo the virus, uh, person hours needed to recover files from backup 
and also potential losses for loss of files that weren't backed up. So it's hard sometimes to quantify exactly what the damages are for viruses like this because the damage isn't, it's not like this particular virus destroyed computers. I mean, there probably was some fallout of that with the amount of traffic that was going through, but most of it, we were calculating this in person hours lost and potential productivity lost, and also uh, various files that were lost along the way. So yeah, uh, the Smithsonian classified um, the I Love You virus as the 10th most virulent virus, computer virus uh, of all time when they did their ranking of such things. Um, they they liken it to an old-fashioned chain letter that happened to go nuclear. Um, by admittedly, by today's standards, it is kind of a quaint and simple virus. If we if we take the notion of the Trojan app out of the equation, where it was you know going into the registry and stealing the login information, a script that would just auto run itself and then copy itself to multiple other emails uh, addresses and send itself out and then also change random files on the computer. I mean, not to be, you know, cavalier about it, but most computer science majors could probably pull that off pretty easily nowadays. I mean, this is assuming that um, some of the protections that we now have in our email clients go away because most email clients are looking for scripts that happen to appear in emails, but uh, it's not all that difficult to do that particular piece of coding. As a matter of fact, it was an activity that I did when I was an undergraduate um, in a network security class in a closed lab environment. I mean, if you want to think about the labs where they are examining um, the coronavirus, I mean, this was a network lab in which None of the machines were connected to the internet. They were connected to each other. And we were intentionally creating viruses that were localized in this environment to see how they propagated. And most of them followed this sort of pattern. It's a script that would run, that would copy itself to other scripts. And then you'd have to kind of figure out how to go in and, and remove it as appropriate. You know, you kind of have to learn how to do those sorts of things. None of these were quote unquote dangerous. Um, but you know, security experts need to know how all of these things work. Now, I liken this to the coronavirus there for a moment, and there's other ways that it is similar. We're all dealing with the Omicron variant right now, after having dealt with Delta and all the other variants. And I'm actually, I, I, I am glad we did skip some of the Greek letters. I, I heard on a medical podcast that I listened to that we skipped uh, Zai, uh, Zai. Uh, XI because that's a common last name, common family name in China because that would be bad. And also, new in you is a, a Greek letter. And if you said you had the new variant, you mean the new variant? No, the new new variant. Oh gosh, it's who's on first? Just right there trying to deal with that. I love you. Also had variants because it was just a Visual Basic script. Just because there was some you know text that needed to be edited there. Um, yeah, anyone could do it. As a matter of fact. There was estimated at least 20 different variants that went around the internet just after I Love You was taken down. Now, most of these were harmless. Well, I mean, as harmless as I Love You was in its own way, these were not downloading the uh, the Trojan. 
these were doing more things like, oh, I'm just going to change the, the credits in here to someone else to show that I could do this sort of thing too. Or maybe this is a, a, a variant that really, really, really disliked PowerPoint slides. And we'll go through and delete all the PowerPoint slides on your machine. I mean, this is very bad in its own right, but, you know, okay. Uh, some of them just changed the name of the email address trying to target certain populations. So it would change I love you to something in Italian or Russian or French or whatever it might be to try and specifically hit uh, certain geographic areas. And then some of them, of course, tried to be as destructive as possible. There was one variant in particular that went through and deleted all of the .exe and .com files. For those of you that don't know, those are the things that run on your computer. If you delete all the .exe files and .com files on your Windows machine, you no longer have a Windows machine. You have a very large paperweight that needs to have a new operating system installed on it. So that's not great. So the I Love You virus was, you know, uh, was reigned in. And once the... Um, European authorities identified where the server was, was where it was downloading this Trojan. They then isolated who was the traffic was going to, and they ended up finding de Guzman. At the time, there were no laws in the Philippines against what he did. They tried a few things. There were some, um, there were some laws that had to do with uh, sending uh, inappropriate in information, some laws that effectively at the end of the day, were nothing more than for wire fraud. They ended up adding new laws after this incident, as you might imagine. But it turns out de Guzman was never actually prosecuted because they couldn't find anything to actually prosecute him with. So they let him go. Where is he now? Well, he disappeared basically after this point for obvious reasons, I suppose, and uh, stayed under the radar. But an investigative journalist by the name of Jeff White was writing a book in May 2020 on the history of cybercrime. The book's called Crime.com. Turns out he found de Guzman running a mobile phone booth in Manila, where he approached him and asked about the virus, and de Guzman admitted it to Jeff White and said, yeah, that was me. I just wanted to be on the internet and couldn't pay for access. So there you go. One of the most virulent viruses in history on the internet has a interesting ending, I suppose. So there's some other interesting viruses that are out there that I think are worth learning about. Um, some that are even that are more destructive, some that were more kind of nefarious in uh, cyber attack sort of things. And I think we will talk about some of those in a future episode. Hope you're doing well. I look forward to seeing McBurney's new sweet, sweet computer and hearing how his microphone sounds <laughs> on the new machine. Don't open attachments to email, please. Just. Don't make sure you check your email and, and know what you're doing so you don't, you know, keep a worldwide internet virus pandemic going. Take care, be safe, and watch 
for Falling Goats. 